We continue with our sermon series on Paul's letter to the Romans today, and our scripture reading will include two different passages. There are two verses from chapter 1 and a longer passage from chapter 3. The first passage serves as an introduction and a summary of the major themes that Paul addresses in this letter. In the second passage, Paul goes into some depth explaining one of those themes, the righteousness of God and what that means for us. So let's listen now to our scripture passage. I'll read verses 16 and 17 from chapter 1 and then verses 21 through 31 in chapter 3. And this is what Paul says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. And then in chapter 3. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by His blood, effective through faith. He did this to show His righteousness, because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that He Himself is righteous, and that He justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what law? By that of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is He not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. And He will justify the circumcised on the ground of faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Amen. Most of us probably have a little clutter in our homes. Maybe you have a messy desk in your office, or a pile of magazines and newspapers stacked up on the fireplace, or storage shelves in your garage that are crammed full of old paint cans and other half-used things. We usually ignore our little messes until something big happens, like when we have guests coming over, or when we discover there's a, a mouse in the house. In moments like these, we tidy up our homes and we throw out the garbage. And frankly, if we didn't do this from time to time, we would eventually get buried in junk. Of course, there are some people who never clean up. Take Andy Warhol, the famous painter, as an example. When he died in 1987, his house contained a mountain of clutter. 
His five-story home in New York was stuffed with so many things, both large and small, valuable and mundane, that he was only able to live in two of the rooms. Since Andy never entertained his friends in his home, they had no idea that he'd collected so much stuff, and a lot of it was just junk. It looked like he never threw anything away. There were gum wrappers, piles of doodling, unopened bills, even a stale pizza. Now, there were plenty of nice things, too. Andy collected Art Deco furniture, fancy jewelry, Native American art, and cookie jars. He also collected 608 boxes of odd and ordinary stuff that he intended to be time capsules for some future generation. And some of the things contained in those boxes included a piece of Caroline Kennedy's wedding cake, $14,000 in cash, and a mummified foot. Now, most people don't live like Andy Warhol, but we all will benefit when we take time to clean up our lives. And it's not just cleaning up the house that I'm talking about. We need to give attention to cleaning up the spaces in our spiritual lives. The Apostle Paul recognized that human life is full of garbage that we call sin. And no one can get away from this reality. It is everywhere at every level of life. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10, Paul wrote, There is no one who is righteous, not even one. And then he stated in verse 23, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Greek word used in the New Testament for sin is homatia. It refers to missing the mark. It evokes the image of an archer aiming at a target. Shots are fired, but the arrows miss. They go to the left or to the right, or they simply fall short. The implication is that there is a mark or an ideal that we are meant to follow in order to have a proper relationship with God. But so often, we miss the target. We fall short. We sin. Paul knew that sin can pile up so high in our lives that it separates us from God. And this separation is best described, I think, as a broken relationship. But sin isn't just about us and God. When we sin, we often hurt other people and do damage to those relationships. We also hurt ourselves when we sin. And our sin can eventually crush our spirits because it leads us down a, a path of sl a slow spiritual death that robs us of a life-giving relationship with God. But this is where we encounter the good news found in Romans chapter 1. And that good news is the power of God. The Greek word for power is dynamis. And it relates to our English word dynamite. It suggests something explosive. And that's what the power of God is. It takes that kind of power to remove the sin in our lives. This is the power that will save us and redeem us. Now at every level of life, redemption is needed. 
And looking at our world today, we see institutions, governments, cultures, ideas, programs, practices, and of course people who need to be redeemed. And to be redeemed means to be put back in a right relationship with God. Paul made it clear that our broken relationship with God is something that we are completely responsible for. Our sin has caused this. And it's up to God to decide what should be done. Now God can certainly choose to end His relationship with us. Or God can choose to give us a new chance. Which, thankfully, is the good news of the gospel. As Paul wrote in verses 16 and 17, It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, Paul wrote about righteousness in in many of his letters, including Romans. And many of us have our own ideas about the righteousness of God. But what was Paul trying to communicate? Well, one way to understand God's righteousness is to look at how the word righteous is used in the Old Testament. And what we find is that the word righteous is often associated with God's covenant with Israel. When the Israelites upheld the covenant, they were seen as righteous. But when they broke that covenant their actions were seen as unrighteous. And that brought damage to their relationship with the Lord. But God is a God of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And and thus the Lord would restore His relationship with Israel. And when that happened, the people were made righteous again. What this tells us is that righteousness doesn't describe a quality of God, but rather something God does. God's righteousness is seen in God's power to break the power of sin and restore sinners into a right relationship with Himself. As Paul said, it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. Now, people in the Greco-Roman world of the first century thought of salvation in terms of health and well-being. But Paul used the word salvation to convey the truth that God rescues people from sin. God saves people. God saves us. Now this isn't something we can do on our own. We don't have the power to save ourselves. Only God does. And God does this through Jesus Christ. Christ redeems us. Christ makes us righteous. Paul even speaks of Christ as our righteousness in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. And in verses 24 and 25 in our passage in Romans, Paul wrote that we are now justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by His blood, effective through faith. Now this came at a great cost to God. And the the cross is the symbol of that cost. But for us, it's a gift. 
And by trusting God through faith, we experience God's gift of grace and forgiveness. And we're welcomed back into fellowship with God. Now Paul packs a lot of theology into the passage we're studying today. In fact, Paul puts a lot of theology in his whole letter to the Romans. And it's not always easy to make sense of what he wrote. In fact, some of the sharpest minds have struggled with this, with this letter, including the Protestant reformer Martin Luther. Fortunately, Luther didn't give up studying it. He said, and I'll quote for you, I kept hammering away at those words of Paul, wishing passionately to know what he meant. While Luther was reading and rereading this letter, an idea was sparked by the words found in verse 17 that say, the one who is righteous will live by faith. This verse inspired Luther to formulate his doctrine of justification by faith. But what does it really mean to be justified? Well, to answer that question, I want you to think about when you're writing a document on a computer and you're formatting it. One of the formatting options that you have is justification. Now, using the computer's default settings will automatically choose left justification. Everything is aligned on the left side of the page. But you can always override that and choose center justification or right justification. The choice comes down to how you want your, your page formatted and how you want it lined up. In Christ, we are put in alignment with God. But it's not because we got things right. It's because we're justified. We're lined up with God's purposes. We are forgiven and cleaned up. We've been made new by the power of God's good news of grace. We're made righteous in God's eyes. Not by fulfilling every little detail of the law, but by surrendering ourselves to the mercy of Christ who died for our sins. Our justification and redemption become effective through faith in God through Christ. Everything that God has done for us in Christ is unearned and undeserved. We can't achieve our own righteousness and salvation. But God offers this to us through Christ. Now, our relationship with God is restored, and we're free to live out God's grace in this world. And that's what it means to be justified. I would also add that being justified isn't a license to be lazy and let sinful junk pile up once again in our lives. It's important that we constantly fight against the garbage that wants to creep in. And to do this, we have to remain connected to Christ so that we can grow in faith. Experts in household organizations say that one of the best ways that we can keep clutter from accumulating in our homes is to go through a different room of the house each day and throw out or recycle something that's not needed. The, the thinking is that is if you get rid of something unnecessary, you make more room for what's really important. And I think that sounds like good advice for our spiritual lives. 
Now, how would your life and your relationship with God improve if you spent a little more time each day intentionally throwing out negative thoughts, attitudes, activities, and temptations, all those sin-producing things that tend to pile up on us? Well, one way we might practice this is to do what I call a daily release. What you do is you take a sheet of paper and write down the trouble spots in your life, the areas where you feel you're not lined up with God. And then circle the items on your list that you can act on and the items that you have control over. Make a commitment to yourself to do something about those things. And then for all the things that you have no control over, simply release them. Let them go. And then pray the words of Psalm 51. Renew a right spirit within me. Now you might repeat those words four or five times, speaking them slowly so that you make room to hear God speaking to you. And once you're done... Throw your paper in the recycling bin and remember that God is always ready, willing, and able to help you clean up the mess in your life. Would you bow your heads and join me in prayer? Oh God, you are righteous and just, gracious and generous, and powerful beyond measure. We're grateful that you have chosen to work for our redemption through Jesus Christ. We certainly do not deserve this gift of grace, but we offer you our thanksgiving, and we pray that you would renew our desire to walk faithfully with you and to work for your kingdom. And we pray that you might renew a right spirit within each of us today. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.